Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and we have another great show for you today with four impressive guests we kick off with molly grisham a former college coach who does so much good for the game and not just soccer but all sports you can learn more about her at mollygrisham.com. And she is on to talk about a new program she has launched that is called Coach Ready. It's affordable, it's easy to use, and it will make you better. Molly Grisham kicks off the show. After Molly, it is great to be joined by Dr. Nelson Aquari. As you know, United Soccer Coaches has long partnered with U.S. Youth Soccer, sharing convention time and space. And I've had the great honor over the last several years of emceeing the opening ceremonies of the USYS National Championships at Disney in Orlando. This year, Dr. Nelson Aquari was the keynote speaker, and what a story he has to tell. He played in the U-17 World Cup for the USA and the U-20 World Cup alongside greats like Demarcus Beasley, Landon Donovan, and Gooch. After a 10-year professional career, he went back to his college, UCLA, and earned three degrees and now is firmly established at Boeing as the director of the Interiors Responsibility Center in South Carolina. He also coaches his two boys. He is on the U.S. Soccer Federation Board of Directors, taking great pride in what U.S. soccer is doing and, for that matter, United Soccer Coaches to help minorities move up in this game we love. Dr. Aquari hit a home run with his interview. From there, we visit with Chad Busick, a member of the John Gordon speaking team. The former coach is also the owner of the Championship Mindset and host of the Championship Mindset Podcast that you can find at championshipmindsetpodcast.com. Whether it's in business, education, or athletics, Chad helps others achieve excellence in a competitive world. Chad is great, and we finish with a visit with another member of the 30 Under 30 class. We have just two remaining. Today, we meet Emily Tominovich who's out in California doing great things with the ECNL's Beach Football Club, which happens to be where Savannah DeMello, who could play for the USA, played her youth soccer. She is now also working with a college program in California. We'll hear about that. She makes a pretty good espresso. Emily was also great. So that's our show. It is indeed a great one, and it starts after this message from our great presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast with somebody we've had 
on the show before. We're talking about Molly Grisham. She's a keynote speaker and experiential facilitator. Molly Grisham helps to build and sustain teams in a wide variety of industries. She believes that teams don't grow apart, they die apart. She knows that elite, high-performing teams in all industries get stretched and stressed by the demand to perform. She is passionate about helping teams to rediscover their strengths and restore their relationships so they can rebuild their teams. With nearly two decades of experience as a college soccer coach and communication professor, Molly approaches her work as an educator. She meets people where they are and help them move to where they want to be. Molly holds degrees in communication from Belmont University, the University of Illinois, and Missouri State University. She has completed training as a civil and family mediator. She is a certified experiential specialist with the International Society of Experiential Professionals, and she is a certified Myers-Briggs facilitator. And she's here to talk about Coach Ready. Coach Ready was designed to set you up for success. This course is open to coaches at all levels. In it, she shares the wisdom that she only shares with her private clients and says, let's get you coach ready. That's what we're going to do, Molly. We're going to get people coach ready. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Coach ready. So if they hear nothing else but your opening comment about coach ready, what's the best way to explain it? Yeah, so I realized that there's a lot of information that I share typically with my private clients. It's the kind of people that have large budgets and can put me on a retainer. And I realized it wasn't fair. Why should this information be accessible only to people with significant budgets? And so I wanted to take the wisdom and frameworks and processes that I often share with those teams and make it accessible and affordable for coaches at all levels. Because just because you're a high school coach, or maybe you're a D2 coach, which was my path, or maybe you're a grassroots coach. That doesn't mean you don't need access to information on things like leadership development and conflict resolution and how trauma might show up on your teams. So I'm excited. I think this is something that's going to move the needle in athletics. I think it is in many ways a lifeline for coaches who are hungry and, and seeking resources. And now I can come alongside them and share it in a way that's affordable and accessible for them. Well, let's tease it a little bit because sure. I know it starts with a workbook and it's called your coach ready workbook. How long did it take you to put that workbook together, Molly? Yeah, it was probably six months of work of outlining all the content of writing the script of working with a designer to get the workbook done of going into the studio and producing all the videos. So it this has been months and months and months in the work and it is finally live and finally something I can share with folks. Let's rapid fire some of the topics in general, including sometimes will be generic, but you open with a welcome and speaking now here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, what is your message in that welcome to Coach Ready? Yeah, I, I think my message to coaches is we often wrestle with the question, like, does it have to be this way? <laughs> Does it have to be this hard? Does it have to be this isolating? Does it have to be this difficult? And it doesn't have to be. And we know that coaches are being asked to do so much right now. Um, they, wear, they wear very, very many hats. And that takes a toll on a person. Uh, I'm watching the coaches that I work with struggle physically with their physical health. They're struggling with their mental health. Many of them feel isolated and feel alone and feel like something is wrong with them. And what I want them to know is, 
It doesn't have to be this way. You can have people like me and other consultants who can walk with you, who can be an ally, who can support you. Because the reality is when a coach loses themselves, their players lose the best thing about them. And, and that's who they are as people. And so I want to come along and be that lifeline for coaches to find that love and that joy again, because the work they do absolutely matters. So you already mentioned the fact that this course is affordable. I'm calling it a course. Should I yeah. call it something different? Yeah. Okay. No, it's a self-guided course. So coaches can listen to the videos or watch the videos at their own pace, at their own leisure. All right. We'll tell people at the end how they sign up. So that's the last thing they hear. But let's bullet point some of the topics you cover. I'll say it. You bullet point. I don't want you to give away the farm, but I want you to say enough to get people ready to buy this when we're done. We'll start with leadership is influence. And this is such a foundational concept for me. I think a lot of student athletes approach leadership as power, as authority, as title or rank. And when they do, what they are seeking is positional power. And I believe that authentic leadership is actually relational influence. And what's exciting to me about that is we all have influence. We just have to decide how do we want to use that and how do we want to leverage that? And so we as coaches have to understand the influence that we have, the relational influence that we have, and how that's different from positional power. And then we got to figure out how do I teach this to my student athletes? Because so often, regardless of the age, I will hear a young person say, well, I'm not a captain, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Oh my gosh, you still have influence on this team. How do you want to use your influence? And so when we can get people to understand leadership is not about title, rank, and authority, because if it were, the downside is that has to be given to you, but it can also be taken away from you. Relational influence can't be given to you or taken away from you. We have it. And it's our choice. It's our decision about how we want to leverage that with the people around us. We're here with Molly Grisham talking about Coach Ready. I do want to add that you can learn more by also going to mollygrisham.com. That's spelled G-R-I-S-H-A-M. You offer a leadership framework. Can you bullet point that? I think student athletes often struggle um, with this desire to be the leader today. <laughs> Uh, because in their minds, it's either it's it's an on off switch. I either am the leader or I'm not the leader. And I believe leadership is much more like a dimmer switch. We just we turn it up a little bit more every single day. And over the course of a few years, all of a sudden someone emerges as a leader, but they've been investing in that daily to get to that point where that dimmer switch is all the way turned on. So to help them make that progression, we have to give young leaders a framework. We have to give them a path of this is where you're at right now. And here are the stages. Here's the progression you can take to actually be a leader on your team. And it's a framework I share with lots of teams at lots of different ages, whether it's college, high school, or youth. And it's been interesting to me, the thing that I've heard consistently from young people is, I've been a leader or I've been told I've been a leader my whole life and no one has given me a framework to develop it. And when I can see a young person say, like the light bulb goes on in the room for them. It's like, this is the path I've been looking for. I just didn't know how to make that leap from not a leader to a leader or someone just said I'm a leader and I didn't feel like I did anything. But to give people a framework that says, do this, great, check that box, move on to the next, move on to the next move. It's so life-giving for young people who want to be successful as leaders. Moving on to the next, Molly, you also offer the four R's for team leaders. Love to hear what that is. Oh, gosh, this is so important. So 
if we're going to be intentional about developing team leaders, we got to set them up for success because whether it's a a 12-year-old or a 22-year-old, if you have a negative leadership experience, you're not going to want to do that again. <laughs> you're going to close that door and say, yeah, that was bad. I don't ever want to lead again. So for me, I often share with coaches and with the team leaders that I work with what I consider to be the four R's of team leadership. So the first is, what is your role as a leader? And for me, the word role means how are you in relationship with your teammates? So the role isn't, well, I'm a leader. Nope. How do we want you to be in relationship with your teammates? Do we want you to be the role of a firefighter? Meaning if something goes wrong on this team, you as the leader, you got to cut that out. You got to put out the fire. Okay. That's, that's one role you could play. Do we want you to play the role of a visionary as a leader? In other words, we want you to do the things that have never been done on this team before. That's a way you could be in relationship with your teammates. Do we want you to be the role of a drill sergeant? It's your job to call everybody out and get everybody in place. That's a way you could be in relationship with your teammates. So there's all these different ways we can play the role of a leader. Again, it's how we're in relationship with our teammates, but we got to clarify that because the truth is how you are in relationship with your people as a Navy SEAL is very different than how you might be in relationship with the people you lead when you're leading a nonprofit organization. One is not right or wrong. It's just different. And we have to put some clarity around that for young people to understand. This is how you're going to be in relationship with people. So it starts with their role. Second thing is what are your responsibilities on this team as a leader? And those are typically above and beyond the responsibilities of just being a member of this team. And not a lot of young people think about that of like, oh, shoot, there's actually, <laughs> there's more to this. I have more responsibilities that I have to be responsible for. And then the third is what are the rules that I expect you to follow as a leader on this team? Um, again, that's usually above and beyond. There, there may be some standards for being a part of this team, but if you're going to be a leader on this team, these are some additional rules. And then lastly, and this is the one we tend to just leave off as coaches, it's the reason. It's the reason for all of that. And that is not coming from a place of entitlement. Like, well, if I'm going to do this, coach, I need you to explain to me why. That's not it. But leadership is contextual, meaning the situation is constantly changing. And so if I understand the reason behind everything my coach wants me to do, as the context changes, as the environment, as the situation changes, I can adapt because I'm basically in my coach's head. I know this is what they would want me to do. This is the reason behind all of that. And so I found as I share that with coaches and, and players it's like they just get on the same page. Okay, let's speak the same language. Let's let's align everything so that we can move forward. And what I've discovered is some really healthy leadership experiences that make these leaders say, I want to be better and I want to do more of this and I want to exceed all of these expectations. But we've got to spell that out for them. We can't assume that they know any of those four things. Next three things is we're here with Molly Grisham. She's got this new Coach Ready workbook. She's making it accessible to everybody, not just the rich and famous, which is awesome. Love that she's doing that. We'll talk about price during closing time and closing thoughts. But your next three subjects, I kind of want to combine them because they all kind of have similar words. 
Number five is managing difficult players in difficult moments. Number six is conflict and teams. Number seven is trauma and teams. All of that's really heavy, Molly. Yeah. So part of the work that I do, at least the way I frame it for people is a lot of times coaches will call me and they'll say, can you just, can you help? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what the problem we're just, we're kind of stuck right now. And the way I talk about it with teams is everybody has speed bumps, you know, and, and to me, there's two ways you can navigate a speed bump. One is you just slow down and go over it. And then you come to another one and you slow down and you go over it. And it gets really annoying if you're driving through a neighborhood that's like 20 miles an hour with lots of speed bumps. When are we going to get to our destination? The other option is you, you maybe you've accidentally done this. I, I have a few times in my life. You just go flying over it. And in that moment, you're grabbing onto your passenger. You're trying to hold them in place. You hope your bumper is still attached. You've hit your head on the ceiling. You're wondering <laughs> if you've got a concussion. It's not a good situation. And so what I like to do with teams is let's figure out what your speed bumps are and let's remove them. So you can go as far and as fast as you would like to go. Instead of slowing down or instead of hurting each other, can we remove those speed bumps? And so things like conflict can be a speed bump. And I can't count in the last two years how many conflict resolution sessions I have done on a team. And it is it is both life-giving that coaches are saying, let's address conflict. And at the same time, it's some of the same stuff that keeps showing up. It's the same speed bumps. And so we got to do some deep work around that. And I'm deeply aware that trauma is connected to some of the conflicts that we have. And I think most people in education, coaches and teachers would say right now, we got a lot of young people dealing with a lot of trauma. And so for me to just build some trauma awareness, to give coaches, like, here's some stuff, just keep your eye open for these things. And then here's some ways you might respond differently than what you've done in the past, because it might be a conflict that's rooted in trauma. And that's a whole different level of challenges that you're dealing with. So I was excited in those three sessions. They they feel heavier to me, but I think it's stuff that will be meaningful and will, will really move the needle for coaches who want to make a difference. Molly Grisham offering a coach-ready session, a coach-ready workbook. We're going through the different levels of the coach-ready program, and we're starting to get to some positive words as well, because after you get through those speed bumps, you talk about leading change. Yeah. In this, in this unit, I talk about the six kind of behaviors that I notice when leading change. And I can look back on my coaching career as a, as a college coach, and I did not always lead change very well. And what it often looks like for a coach is they're just hired. They have meetings with their administration and the, and the administration says, you got to make some changes. Things have got to be different and you need to come in and, and make things different. Well, great, I've been given those orders, but my team doesn't know that. And, and I can identify some times where I came in and thought, I'm going to lead the charge. Let You're either with me or you're against me. Let's go. And I wish I had been able to identify some of these behaviors. I, I The first one, um, I think we could do a deep dive on, but it's what I call the sidewalk sitter. And so we think about when we're leading change, it's like we've got a car and I've pulled up and I've said, Dean, we're going on a journey together. This is going to be awesome. Get in the car. Let's go. It's a wild adventure. This is going to be great. And you won't get off the sidewalk. You're like, I don't know, Molly. Don't really. It's a minivan. Not really interested in that. Okay. Let me get a different car for you. And I, I show up with a sports car and you're like, I don't like the color red. And well, now I go get a different. 
And it's all this stuff that I'm trying to do just to get you in the car to go on the journey. But the truth is you were never, you were never going to go on that journey. And there are multiple times in my coaching career where I made the whole team sit there and wait for one or two people who were never going to be a part of what we were a part of. And I wish I had someone that could have whispered in my ear, like, hey, Molly, I, I think you've waited long long enough. I think maybe it's time for you to take the team and go because they're not interested in, in where this team is headed. And so it was fun for me uh, to break down those six behaviors that I notice over so many teams. And as I've shared those with teams, it's been fun for players to self-identify and for them to be able to say, oh yeah, when things are different or when change is in the air, or when things get difficult, that's me. I'm that one. And then someone else will say, yeah, this is me and this is me. And for them to be able to name those and identify those, I think has been incredibly powerful for teams and coaches. We're here with Molly Grisham. Before we get to closing thoughts and closing time, one more key topic as we're talking about this incredible Coach Ready workbook and Coach Ready workshop that she is leading and you can sign up for. And I love this topic, creating high performing culture. Yeah, let's do a deep dive on one of those. Uh, in this unit, there's a lot of things that I talk about, but I know for sure when I work with a high-performing team, I can feel it. Whether I walk into a field, a gym, a classroom, there are some groups of people that you just, you can feel it. They do things differently here. And one of the core things I notice is how much they value relationships and value each other. And so one of the things we talk about in Coach Ready is this idea that transformation is on the other side of truth. And what that means is high-performing teams have gotten really comfortable with being honest with each other. And of course, we can't be honest with each other if we're not in healthy relationships with each other. But the most elite and most high-performing teams that I work with, the teams that compete at a national level on a regular basis, they embrace the truth. And one example I can give you is there's a women's basketball coach that I worked with who it, she's a household name. All of our, all the listeners would know who this is. And I'd worked with her team for a while, hadn't been there for a couple of months and was on campus for a few days. And she said, all right, before you go, we, we need to talk. And I thought, oh shoot, that, that felt a little off. Like, am I in trouble here? And we went into a room that we'd never met in before. Usually we meet in her office and, oh man, my hands are starting to sweat a little bit. And she closed the door. I thought, oh gosh, this, this is the end. I'm in trouble. And she sat down, she took a deep breath. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to get fired. And she said, tell me everything I need to hear. And it wasn't, tell me everything you love about me. Tell me everything that's great about me. It wasn't, tell me seven positive things before you tell me one negative thing or couch it between two positives. It was, tell me everything I need to hear. Because this person understands that the transformation that she wants to lead on her teams, we have to go through the truth to get there. And because she embraces that, her team embraces that. Because she's able to sit with me, someone who was not a basketball coach. I was a soccer coach. And I can say to her, well, okay, here's the things I noticed. Here's the red flags. Here's where I'm concerned. Here's the yellow flags that could get bad if we don't address it. She wrote down every word. And, and she was so open to the truth. But that conversation doesn't happen if we're not in a healthy relationship. 
High performing teams, relationships, relationships, relationships. It's number one for them. It allows them to tell the truth and it allows them to create and build the experiences they want to have. Wow, Molly. You know, high performing marriages are the same way, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And whether it's a an intimate relationship, a business relationship, uh, an education setting, like we have to be able to tell each other the truth. We just can't get to where we want to be without it. All right. Closing thoughts and closing time. And we need to be direct. We need to be crystal clear. I need you to take your time on what you want to share and how people can enroll. You have the floor. I mentioned this at the beginning. I designed Coach Ready because I wanted it for the masses. It's not right that your access to information or your access to education and in turn your student athletes or your players growth is dependent on your budget. It's not right. And, and yes, I have some hyper, high uh, budget coaches who can write that check. It's not a big deal. But what about the rest of us? Uh, for me as a former D2 coach, I was selling a lot of t-shirts. We were doing a lot of trivia nights. And so I wanted to create something accessible. So Coach Ready, it's 10 videos. You can watch the video. You can listen to it. It's got the workbook associated with it for $1.99. Um, and I am very open to group discounts. If there are administrators that have a group of coaches that want to go through this, to me, the number one priority is how can I get this in the hands of as many coaches as possible? Because I believe in coaches. I believe what coaches are doing. And yet they're in a culture and an environment right now that's working against them. Um, it's like they're rowing upstream and I want to come join them. I want to help make that a little bit easier. I want to be that lifeline and so coaches can go to mollygrisham.com, simply go to either the store or go to the services tab. Either of those will lead you to Coach Ready. It's all over my social media right now, but I, I want this to go to the masses. And so I want to invite people to, to take a look at the highlight video at a minimum and just know that everything we talked today about was just, we just covered the surface of it. Let's do a deep dive. Let's get into Coach Ready and set them up for success. Only $199 Coach Ready. Go to mollygrisham.com. And just as we say goodbye, how about making sure we have your social media handles so they hear that as well, because that will get them to where they need to be to be a part of Coach Ready. Absolutely. So if you go to my website, all my social handles are there. But off the top of my head, Twitter is Molly Grisham. Instagram is molly.grisham and YouTube where I've got a lot of free videos. So if, if you can't do coach ready, there's a lot of free videos on YouTube is also Molly Grisham. Molly, I feel like I've known you forever and this might only be my second interview, but I love the way you break things down. You really draw people in. You drew me in. This has been awesome. I wish you the best of luck with this Coach Ready program. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for all you do to make coaches better. And thanks for being on United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for the opportunity to share. I appreciate it. As you can tell, Molly Grisham is super smart, and so is Dr. Nelson Aquari, who currently works at Boeing as Director of the Interiors Responsibility Center in South Carolina. Prior to his career at Boeing, Nelson represented the USA at the U-17, U-20, and U-23 levels, playing at the 2001 U-20 World Youth Championship in Argentina and the 1999 U-17 World Youth Championship in New Zealand. He played at UCLA, he played in MLS, he played in USL, and then went back to UCLA and got all of these degrees, including his doctorate in doing great things. He played alongside Demarcus Beasley and Landon Donovan. 
Why is he on the program? Well, he's amazing. Two, he was the keynote speaker for the opening ceremonies for the U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships in Orlando. That's where I am now recording this podcast. I'll be calling the U.S. Youth Soccer U13 National Championships on ESPN Plus on Friday and then also the U19 Boys and Girls National Championships. That includes the James P. McGuire Cup, the oldest youth tournament in this country. And Dr. Nelson Aquari, the keynote speaker in front of 12,000 excited players on Monday. He was great there, and he's great on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We'll meet him next after these messages. Registration for the 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim, California is now open. From January 10th through the 14th, connect with your coaching community and enhance your resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. Get the most out of your convention experience by adding meal functions and award ceremonies to your registration. And don't forget to visit the huge exhibit hall offering the latest in tech, equipment, and more. Register now by going to United Soccer Coaches Convention Org. Registering before August 23rd guarantees you the lowest price possible for the 2024 convention. So don't delay. This is Dean Linky, host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast with a special message from the Portland Community Football Club. Friday, July 21st, the Sports Brawl and Portland Community Football Club will kick off Team USA's World Cup run with a watch party at the Pioneer Courthouse Square. The match against Vietnam starts at 6 p.m., but fans of all ages can join starting at 12 for a day full of soccer, local food and spirits, and a screening of Bandit Like Beckham. Follow at the Sports Brawl PDX or at PCFC Soccer on Instagram for more. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. As most of you know, United Soccer Coaches has a great relationship with U.S. Youth Soccer. I'm actually down in Orlando, was part of their incredible opening ceremonies on Monday. I'll be calling the U13 Boys and Girls National Championships tomorrow. That's Friday and on Sunday. I'll call the U19 Girls National Championship and the oldest tournament in youth sports period in the United States, the Boys U19, known as the James P. McGuire Cup. During the opening ceremonies, the keynote speaker was Dr. Nelson Aquari, who currently works at Boeing as the director of the Interiors Responsibility Center in South Carolina. Prior to his career at Boeing, Dr. Aquari represented the United States at the U-17, U-20, and U-23 levels, playing at the 2001 U-20 World Youth Championship in Argentina and the 1999 U-17 World Youth Championship in New Zealand. Dr. Aquari played soccer professionally for 10 years in Major League Soccer and the United Soccer League, and he played collegially at UCLA. Dr. Aquari graduated from UCLA with a bachelor's degree in chemistry material science, a master's degree in material science and engineering instructional materials, and a doctorate degree in materials science and engineering. And he is a wonderful human being as well. And Dr. Nelson Aquari joins me now. Great to be with you, Dr. Query. Thanks, Steve, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, let's first talk about the opening ceremonies for U.S. Youth Soccer. They've long been a great partner of United Soccer Coaches. They share convention time and space, as I'm sure you probably know. But what great energy in that room just on Monday. It was incredible. Absolutely agree. Just seeing all the faces, the smiles, um, the uh, athletes coming down the runway and being treated like royalty. It's just fun to see them 
celebrating the accomplishments that they have, as well as their parents and family members being in the crowd as well. It was just a great opportunity to be a part of the starting of a, what will be a great event. Yeah, you had three key messages in your keynote speech. Can you share those with all of our listeners? Sure thing. Uh, one of the uh, listeners to focus on, you know, having fun, um, staying focused and, and working hard um, or playing hard. Um, I think the opportunity that they have in front of them is something that they want to forget. So really wanted to make the message short, but also something that they can remember as they head into what will be a very, very tough week of soccer. I'm always fascinated who Chris Webb and Skip Gilbert come up with for the keynote speaker. Can you talk about how they reached out to you and how they found you? Sure thing. Um, I've been a part of the U.S. Soccer Federation Board of Directors for the past two years. And a part of that Board of Directors, I'm on the Athletes Council as well. And so what we're really trying to do is take advantage of sharing our stories to a broader network and ensuring that um, the young athletes that are aspiring to be professionals, um, aspiring to go to college and play soccer at a very high level, we're just enjoying the game for what it's meant to be a recreational sport and being able to think about what happens after you finish playing soccer, maybe after uh, you head into kind of a nine to five job. And so after talking with um, Skip Gilbert and some of the folks from USYS, I thought it'd be great for me just to come and share my story and also just um, share a little bit about what I've experienced uh, through the beautiful game. Yeah, you've experienced a lot. We're going to get to that as well. But one of the things I did want to touch on is I bent your ear and you were kind enough to let me do it to tell you how proud I am of the Black soccer coaches community. I'm glad to hear that you have actually got one of your licenses, that you're still coaching one of your kids, I believe, as well. So I know you're familiar with the Black soccer coaches community. Have you been keeping an eye on how they're growing? Because you know, now when you watch the U.S. men's national team and even, for that matter, the U.S. women's national team, you're seeing a ton of big-time Black players. So now we need that representation on the coaching level. They're not where they need to be, but they're making progress. Have you noticed that at all? I have. You know, I, I would say even growing up, um, playing club soccer, playing on the youth national teams, um, represent, representation matters a lot. You know, I think of uh, coaches like Bruce Serena, um, Glenn Myronick, um, you know, the, who like Glenn Myronick who passed away. Um, they're really big on ensuring that um, there are people on the sidelines and in, in their sphere of influence that had an opportunity just to coach at the highest levels. Um, the late Clive Charles is someone that comes to mind for me as a uh, youth national team player, seeing, you know, an Olympic coach, um, coach at the highest level, having played at the highest level in, in uh, England and then coming to the U.S., and so definitely have noticed that there have been more pathways to success for at higher levels in the collegiate game as well as in the professional ranks. Uh, I think there's still more that we can do, not only for black coaches, but for Latin American coaches as well in the U.S. Um, but I've been very, very impressed with how U.S. soccer has put together policies and really set initiatives in place that will allow for uh, more people of color to be able to play at higher levels and also to be able to coach at higher levels as well. So well said. We're so pleased to be joined by Dr. Nelson Aquari, who is with us now. All right, let's hear your story. I know you are a very humble man, despite having this incredible background and both as a player and as a professional, but I know you ended up at UCLA, but where did you grow up, Nelson, before deciding to become a Bruin? Yeah, great question. So I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, first generation American. My parents are both born and raised in Nigeria. And unfortunately, I had to leave Nigeria due to the Civil War. Um, after coming to the States, um, they both were very focused on their education. My dad went to college at USC in California. Um, my mom went to college in Canada uh, at Concordia College. And then um, being high school sweethearts, shortly got married after college and moved to Houston. 
Um, after growing up in Houston and playing soccer at the club level with the Houston Texans, uh, Roy Reese and J.R. Lee were my uh, my club directors, uh, some legends in the game. Um, I was um, fortunate, enough to, fortunate enough to be picked to play with the U-17 national team. Um, that national team um, was actually the first residency team that went to Bradenton, Florida. And so I was playing with the likes of Landon Donovan, uh, Demarcus Beasley, Kyle Beckerman, Aguchi Anyeru, um, Bobby Convey. It's a really special group. Um, so there's 20 of us living in, in a dormitory-style uh, residency program and thoroughly enjoying life as, as young soccer players. And we were fortunate to play at the uh, 1999 um, World Championships in New Zealand, uh, where we finished fourth place. And that really was a um, great moment for all of us, mainly because like Landon Donovan and Demarcus Beasley were the best player and the uh, second best player in the tournament. And we really saw a pathway to the professional leagues after uh, after that tournament. Um, some of the guys went pro. Um, a lot of us went back to college, uh, went to college, excuse me. And I ended up at UCLA where I played for two seasons before leaving to play soccer professionally. All right. That's incredible. Some of those names that you mentioned. So who was your coach at UCLA? Was it Jorge or was it Ziggy? What, who was it? Great question. So recruited by Ziggy Schmidt. Um, my head coach was actually Todd Saldana. And, and my assistant coach was uh, Jorge Salcedo. And um, after my sophomore year, Tom Fitzgerald um, became the head coach. And they actually won the national championships that the year after I left. Um, me and a couple of, of the, um, my teammates went pro, went pro and uh, I ended up leaving and going to the uh, Major League Soccer, um, where I played for five seasons um, before heading to the USL, where I played for another five years. If you don't mind, tell me the teams that you played for and who you were coached by in MLS as well. Sure. Uh, my first year was in New York uh, with the uh, Metro Stars and uh, now the Red Bulls. So my head coach there was Octavio Zambrano. Um, I moved to uh, to Columbus, um, played there for, with the Columbus crew for two seasons. Um, and then from Columbus, went to Salt Lake, um, part of the expansion team in Real Salt Lake. And I was reunited with John Ellinger uh, there in in, uh, in, in uh, Real Salt Lake. Um, after my fifth season in MLS, um, I moved to the USL, where I played with Mark Steffens and the Charlotte Eagles. Um, played with Mike Inhauser, Augie, uh, for two years in the Charleston Battery. Uh, moved to Vancouver for one season, and then ultimately finished up with the Los Angeles Blues uh, after my 10th season as a pro. And then after that year, I went back to school at UCLA, where Jorge Salcedo was actually the, uh, the head coach for the UCLA Bruins. That connection back to UCLA was pretty easy for me. I was able to get back uh, as a former student athlete and go and finish my, uh, my college degree. So that's really cool. I mean, so you really got to live your dream of being a pro, but then also based on your parents, I think, and their focus on education, you said, I need to get stuck back in. I went back to UCLA. You finished your bachelor's degree, got your master's degree, got your doctorate degree. All of that happened in pretty good order, right? Yeah, for the, for the most part. You know, that's one of the part of the story that I didn't really share at the convention. I, I didn't know that uh, that story maybe would be um, as relevant to uh, you know, 13 and 14 year olds. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty incredible story. My wife and I um, were back in Los Angeles. I had an older son uh, by the name of Nehemiah. Um, we were pregnant with our second son as well. And it was pretty clear that um, I needed to go back to school and finish up my education. Um, fortunately, UCLA has a great program um, where student athletes can go back to school and, and finish up. So I took advantage of that program, um, got my bachelor's degree in chemistry and material science. Um, quickly got an internship at the Boeing Company there in Huntington Beach and um, worked there for about a year and then actually moved from Huntington Beach to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I was fully employed at the Boeing Company. Um, they have an incredible program um, for young, uh, well, it's for anyone within the company really, but um, for me, it um, was a great opportunity to continue my education at UCLA. 
So I got my master's degree um, and my PhD, but I was actually traveling back and forth across the country, um, working out of Charleston, South Carolina in El Segundo um, from the Boeing site, and then um, going to class during the day, working kind of in the afternoons and evenings, and then flying back at home to uh, be with my wife and kids. So it was a bit of a hectic three to four years, um, but after getting my master's and, and PhD, Definitely grateful for the opportunity and for the uh, investment that both Boeing and UCLA put into me. So how many years now have you been at Boeing then, Nelson? It's been nine years uh, at the Boeing company, so about a year and a half in Huntington Beach, and then another eight, um, seven and a half, eight years almost now uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. And so um, recently became the executive director for the Interiors Responsibility Center about two and a half years ago. So it's been a really good uh, good career path for me. And I think it's one of the great things about um, playing soccer in North America. You know, you can continue to pursue a, a professional um, career while at the same time thinking about the educational opportunities that the country has, uh, has to provide as well. So I'm very grateful that uh, the college system allows for, uh, for student athletes to be students and to be athletes as well. Dr. Nelson Aquari, this is incredible. And I love that you echoed my sentiments about what the 2026 World Cup was going to be because you amplified it. You had their attention. I was blessed to be a part of the 1994 World Cup where Ziggy Schmid was an assistant under Bora Militinovich and got to know Ziggy well and uh, loved that man. As you said, you were recruited by him. And I like the fact that you tied in that you were there for DeMarcus Beasley as he went into the Hall of Fame and Landon Donovan. And here you are, You've watched these guys go on and do great things in soccer while you had your more than a cup of coffee in soccer yet went out and got this cool degree. I really like that perspective that you come in as this doctor, as this bigwig for Boeing, yet you still recognize that soccer has never been at a better place. And a lot of people that are your peers are a part of that. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, I, I love the, the fact that we were able to celebrate only a couple of months ago at the Hall of Fame, both Demarcus Teasley and Landon Donovan. Um, Oguchi Onyewu is another great example of a World Cup veteran that's now the vice president, you know, within U.S. soccer and helping to build the game. Um, but Dean, you're spot on. You know, I, I was in Dallas. Um, I got an opportunity in 1994 to watch Nigeria versus Bulgaria. My parents drove us to the game and being able to see um, a World Cup on home soil see the crowds, uh, see the atmosphere inside and outside the stadium was absolutely incredibly, it was a blessing for me. Um, that's really what kind of lit the flame for me to even think about playing soccer professionally. And I don't know that most um, of those you know, great athletes, even at the USYS National Championships, truly understand what's going to happen here in a couple of years. Being able to see World Cup soccer at the highest level um, in Canada, in, in the U.S., as well as in Mexico, um, to have the atmosphere that we're going to have, uh, the marketing, the connectivity to all those games, the ability to sit back and watch um, soccer on so many different platforms, I think it's going to be very um, monumental for the country and, and just for the North America um, region. So super excited about what that will look like. I'm excited that I get an opportunity, as you do, Dean, to be able to kind of um, promote the game from the sidelines, but also really influence the game for what it should be, which is a, a great celebration. I think you heard me steal a line from Hank Steinbrecher when he was inducted this last January into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame when he was particularly talking to the 30 under 30 members where we have 15 men, 15 women. In fact, we have one on this show as well that are doing great things in the game of soccer. And he looked right at them and said, you know, hey, 
coming up, you got a chance to take the mission to Mars. And I got on that mission to Mars in 89 and I've never left as I'm still just circling, circling around Mars and, and loving every moment of it. Hopefully you felt that enthusiasm. And that was what I think you and I tried to share with those kids. I mean, there'll be different stages of where they are, but if they get can get involved in any way at all, it will be the biggest World Cup ever. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I am definitely on that mission to Mars as well. Uh, I love that um, that phrase from Hank Steinbrecher. I think he did a good job of of sharing it as well during the um, opening uh, opening remarks. Um, that's really it, right? Encouraging people to introduce their friends to the beautiful game, uh, recognizing that there will be a lot of pickup games across the nation whenever the, the World Cup rolls uh, rolls around here in a couple of years. But then also thinking about just what the game brings in terms of connectivity. In terms of building relationships, so super excited about what that will look like here in a couple of years, and excited about being even a part of the U.S. Soccer Federation board to help kind of build an infrastructure that will be long-lasting. I'm glad you're on the board. I'm glad you're doing everything you're doing. I'm glad that you mentioned people like Clive Charles, like Demarcus Beasley, like Gooch. But I need to know, like, what is your message to young black coaches that are out there wondering if they can get a chance to live their dream and be a coach in this country. What is your message to them? Because it's, you know, we're still in a divisive country. That's a fact. We know it. We think we're making three steps forward and then we take five steps back and on and on we go. But hopefully someday and someday soon, it doesn't matter at all the color of your skin, Dr. Nelson Aquari, but I'd love to hear your message for the young black coaches who make up part of the membership of United Soccer Coaches. Yeah, thanks for being for giving the opportunity. I, I would say to continue to work hard, um, continue to strive to push through those barriers that kind of are there. Um, we're recognizing within U.S. soccer that there needs to be additional uh, resources that are provided, specifically around um, coaching education, uh, around access, and, and also just around promoting um, young black coaches that are doing a great job, you know, not being um, given the opportunity to, to be able to perform at the highest level. Um, we also ask, right, in, in terms of just safety of sport, making sure that we do provide infrastructures that allow for clear communication on expectations as coaches. And so uh, regardless of the color of your skin, if there's things that are happening that are um, not appropriate, um, we went out a reporting mechanism that can address those things right away. Uh, I think the Sally Yates report was very shocking for all of us. And obviously that focused specifically on women, but um, we recognize that there's also things that are happening within the um, the racial barriers that need to be addressed, and, and we want to make sure we're addressing those things um, straight on. I think what we'll definitely see here in a couple of years, not only policies, um, but opportunities and access that will be provided. Um, the monetary resources that are going to be provided um, to people, again, of all color, um, but specifically targeting um, people of color, um, will be um, readily available for, for folks to see. And I would say, you know, with the question of being asked around Black coaches, there's more that we can continue to do. Um, but I think we definitely still have not, you know, hit the mark relative to um, our Asian American coaches. Uh, we haven't hit the mark relative to our Latin coaches. Um, there's just so much um, richness that can occur um, if we just focus on diversity. Um, we need to provide ample opportunity across the North American landscape uh, for coaches of all colors to be able to grow. And um, we are focused on that. I, I would say that JT Batson, the uh, CEO of U.S. Soccer, um, City of Harlow Cone, uh, the president in the board, um, we're hyper-focused on ensuring that um, everyone has access and has availability, and we will do our best to make sure that those barriers are broken down. And that's why I'm excited about being a part of the solution. Um, I know that there's work to do. I'm not blind to the fact that there are issues across the country, 
um, but we will do better and we will, we will continue to invest in the right people and right, right opportunities that they come up. And I'm so glad to hear, we'll end with this, that you are coaching your two boys right when you can. That's true, right? It, it is true, yeah. My 13-year-old my um, plays here in Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston Soccer Club. Um, absolutely love coaching him and his friends. Uh, it's been a blessing just to be able to see how uh, they can continue to grow and, and how they continue to um, develop. And I'm excited about being able to be a coach and being able to help at all levels. Dr. Nelson Aquari, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of really cool people and I put you right up there in the top five or so. I mean, you are amazing. I really appreciate you in short order jumping on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I feel better knowing you now and I feel like our listeners will feel better after hearing your story. This was awesome. You're awesome. Thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks again, Dan. I really appreciate the opportunity. Take care and all the best. Wow, what a show so far. Molly Grisham, Dr. Nelson Aquari, and coming up, another man who is all about motivation. Chad Busick joins me when we return. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash CoachCon. College Services Registration is open for the 2023-24 season. Now is the time to register your program and begin receiving the benefits of United Soccer Coaches membership. As a member, you gain access to coaching resources, general liability insurance, awards and rankings eligibility, and so much more. As the home of all coaches, United Soccer Coaches serves to support coaches, recognize your athletes' accomplishments, and advocate for meaningful change that protects coaches and players. Register your program today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, where I'm pleased to be joined by Chad Busick, who's a member of the John Gordon speaking team. His key topics are the power of positive leadership, the power of positive team, leadership and culture development, players, coaches, and teams. Chad brings a unique hybrid of experience to the John Gordon team. He's more than 20 years in sales and sales management across multiple industries. Chad enjoys taking employees and companies through workshops and trainings that build meaningful connections and positive culture within the organization. His extensive experience in sports allows him to easily connect with clients in the athletic arena. A former college athlete, he spent 10 years coaching competitive teams and holds a National D coaching license with U.S. Soccer. Following his coaching career, Chad has spent several years working with players, coaches, and teams, which includes work with D1, D2, D3, and NAIA schools at the college level, as well as work with high school and competitive teams across a wide variety of sports. Chad is dedicated to meeting others where they are and helping them get to where they want to go. Whether it's in business, education, or athletics, Chad helps others achieve excellence in a competitive world. Before we meet Chad, he's the owner of the Championship Mindset, as I mentioned, he's a certified trainer with John Gordon Companies, the author of The Rock Tumblr, and host of the Championship Mindset Podcast that you can find at the championshipmindsetpodcast.com. And you can also learn more about Chad by just going to www.championshipmindset.net. All right, big intro, Chad. Excited to spend time with you. How are you doing? 
Dean, I'm excited to be here. Anytime I get to work with uh, in the soccer community, that's where you know my heart is. Being a former college soccer player myself, coaching my daughters played uh, college soccer, and so love to share with your with your audience. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I want to start by talking about these college athletic workshops that you're doing with the John Gordon companies, focused on positive leadership for athletic departments, coaches, teams, and student athletes. You've got the floor. What can you tell us about that? It really comes from my experience as being a coach. And I looked at my education that I got through United Soccer Coaches. And, you know, a lot of the, the areas of leadership and the areas of coaching mental skills are two of the areas that I think coaches struggle with the most. And, and a lot of it's not really even their fault. When I look at not just in soccer, but any sport in coaching, there's such a heavy emphasis on the technical, tactical, physical start, side of the game. And while those are certainly important, um, I believe that we're not giving enough emphasis on things like leadership, things like culture, um, helping them, especially in today's world of the mental illnesses, um, mental health, you know, well-being, all of those areas. Um, and I think we can see when we just look at teams in any sport, um, it's not always the most talented teams that win. A lot of times it's the most connected teams, the teams that are not willing to just play with each other they're playing for each other um, and so I think really what we want to do with these power of positive leadership and power of positive team workshop is come in and give um, better resources better skills to the coaches to lead in a different way um, and I think the cool thing about it is that you know it's kind of like giving them a new game plan and the exciting thing for me is that if we can give them a good game plan, there's nobody better at executing a game plan than coaches. And that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to lead with things like culture, leading with optimism, positivity, and belief, you know, dealing with negativity. Cause there's, if you had noticed Dean, there's no shortage of negativity in athletics these days. Um, and so we want to teach and give them skills to have help manage that negativity that is inevitably going to come. And then building great relationships and teams, having a vision, living and leading with a purpose. Those are some of the things that we talk about. You've worked with some big time schools, Clemson, Texas, Ole Miss, OU, Georgia, Florida State, North Carolina, UCLA, Texas A&M, Miami, Tennessee, Michigan, Penn State, Southern Cal. Those are some big players. Yeah, it certainly all started with, you know, John Gordon's work. I mean, he's, you know, best-selling author. He just published, I think, his 28th book. Um, 14 best-selling books, and it's really his relationships that have kind of keyed this. And when I joined his speaking team about a year and a half ago, you know, I kind of went to him and said, "Hey, John, you're doing an amazing job reaching these schools." But a lot of the stuff that he was doing was, you know, keynotes here, working with the football team, and that's really kind of my charge is to bring this to more people, to get it in front of more coaches, more teams. Um, he's so busy on the corporate side, so my emphasis in, is in the world of athletics. And he's certainly uh, been a great uh, mentor to me and someone who's opened up a lot of doors um, to be able to come in and speak and work with them and, and get beyond the surface more, uh, more details. Ted, like me, you kind of dabble in a bunch of stuff. Obviously, you've got this great role with John Gordon, but you also have this championship mindset and you have your own podcast. I'd like you to talk about both of those as well. Yeah, I mean, originally when I left coaching, it was really to focus more on the mental side of the game, providing those resources. Um, and it really was one of kind of those things where I thought, well, where am I best served to be able to serve in and live into my purpose and serve others? And you know, I could be a great coach, but 
at most I could only impact, even if I coach two teams, I was going to impact, you know, 30, 40 people and their families over the course of a season. And when I went into working more teams, it, it broadened my reach. It allowed me to work with more teams and more coaches. Um, and so that's really kind of how championship mindset came about. Um, and it was through my work with the championship mindset that I just found myself going back to the John Gordon's, his books, whether it's you win in the locker room or the hard hat or all these books. And that's what kind of led me to him and into the role that I, I primarily focus on now. But the Championship Mindset Podcast, I appreciate you asking. And, and I look forward to having you on to continue this conversation uh, on that avenue as well. But it just opens up the opportunity to interview players, coaches, other professionals in the world of sports about this mental side of it, because we know that so much of the game is mental um, and we need to do a better job as coaches, mentors, parents, really helping our young athletes thrive in that mental side of the game. We've been spending a lot of time on this podcast with people like yourself that are heavily focused on the mental side of the game. How are you and maybe John Gordon uniquely different from maybe some of the other people that I've talked to and without even knowing who I've talked to, what's your best way to describe how you are different? If we look at the John Gordon companies and the power of positive leadership, um, you know, John is known really for his simplicity in the message. It's simple, it's easy to grasp, but it's the analogies. I'll, I'll give you a great example, especially when we talk about the world of sports. When we talk about culture, we talk about building relationships, we use this idea of a root and a fruit. Um, and when we think about the world of athletics, fruit-based items would be wins, you know, um, standings, individual records, you know, goals, assists, whatever that might be. And when we look at the amount of time that coaches and parents and players spend on the fruit, it's a high percentage of time. But if we think about the analogy of a tree, right, if you only focus on the fruit, dude, what happens to the root? What happens to the tree? It dies. It, right. it dies. You can't focus on the fruit only. And I think that's where we get it wrong sometimes in coaching is that, you know, we have to be as coaches and as mentors, really investing in the root of our players, especially at the younger ages, especially, you know, players in the middle school, high school. I mean, this should be all about development. It should be all about investing in the root. Um, and I see sometimes, you know, I was guilty of it sometimes too in coaching. We want to hold on to like there are players, right? And we get upset or offended sometimes if our player leaves our club or our team to go play at a higher level. You know, being in San Diego, I was coaching for a smaller club and we had surf, you know, San Diego surf, you know, not 10 minutes from us. We routinely lost players. Um, but if you're really invested in the route, that doesn't bother you as much because we know as a coach, we're supposed to develop them for the long term. Um, and I think that's a great example of this idea of root versus fruit. So what are some of the things that we can, how can we spend more time investing in the root of the players? so that we can have great fruit because the fruit matters, right? We're not going to have a job as a coach. You're not going to have any success if you don't have good fruit, but we believe the best way to get good fruit is to invest heavily in the root. You're hearing the wisdom of Chad Busick, who is with the John Gordon group doing great things for athletic departments all over the country. You have this positive leadership model. I want to go rapid fire and You've kind of got eight tracks on this positive leadership model. I want to say each one, and then you give me a bullet on each one as it reflects positive leadership. We'll start. I just happen to pick the gray. We'll go clockwise. And the first one is drive positive culture. 
Yeah, that's where it all starts for us. We are all about the culture. Um, and when we think about teams, I always tell coaches, you will have one of two things happen at the end of the season. You'll either appreciate and enjoy the culture you create, or you'll suffer through the culture you don't create, but you will have a culture. And so you can be intentional about the culture that you create, or you can let your players and people around you create that culture for you. And so I think that's really what we're talking about is being intentional about what type of culture we want. And the thing about culture is it's everything. It's not just one thing. So culture includes, you know, not just how we train, but how we recover. Culture includes how we travel to games, how we prepare, you know, team meals, team meetings, all of those things impact the culture. And here's the thing that I think when we talk about culture that I don't know why this happened, Dean, and maybe this isn't rapid fire, but I want to I want to linger here for a minute because I see so much in the world of coaching, especially when we get to like that, you know, U14 to U17 age where coaches say, I don't want to talk to the parents anymore right? I only want to hear from the players. And to me, that's a huge missed opportunity because those parents, those people around your players have a huge impact on your culture. So you can either bring them in and include them in the process, certainly give them some, you know, guardrails in which, you know, 24 hour rules, certain things like that. But why would you ever want to exclude a parent from a process when they have such big impact? Because sometimes the biggest threat to our culture isn't the other team. It's not the referees. It's not the other parents. Sometimes it's the people that are just outside the circle of our locker room, people like parents and friends. Because do you think your players ever hear, you know, well, I don't understand what coach sees in so-and-so. I don't know why Sammy gets all the playing time. You're so much better than they are, right? That is impacting your culture. Like when my team was warming up at the games, you know, I was intentional to go down the sidelines and just thank the parents for coming. Just a couple of words here and there. Hey, how's your week going? Whatever it might be. My team was preparing. They were doing what they needed to do. But that opened those doors and built those relationships so that when we needed to have some of those conversations, it wasn't, oh, my goodness, we're in crisis mode. We had built some relationships. So that's a great example of culture. Create and share a positive vision. Yeah, this one is is another one. All of these are huge. Um, we use the analogy here of a telescope and a microscope. You know, that telescope is the, you know, far reaching, where do you want to go personally? Where do you want to go professionally? Where's your team going, right? Because you put a player, I mean, think about it, from a soccer standpoint, you know, we don't have timeouts. We don't have a lot of those things. So you better create a nice vision for your team of what we're trying to accomplish so that everyone can get on board. Because if not, you're going to run into having, you know, if you have 18 players on the team, you could have 18 different visions and that's going to create chaos. So creating the vision, but it can't all be about the vision. It has to be about the day-to-day things. So that's where we bring in the microscope. What are the laser focused, zoom focused things that we need to do on a daily basis to make that vision a reality? You know, I think that's the idea is putting those together. Magic Johnson once had a great quote that he said, vision without action is a dream. You just have a great vision and you're dreaming. But he said, action without vision, that's a nightmare because you have people in chaos going everywhere. So you have to have the vision of where we're going, but you got to have the daily actions, the behaviors to help you make that vision a reality. Lead with optimism, positivity, and belief. Yeah, this one is uh, important because we live in a world that tends to default to the negative. 
Um, so we as coaches and mentors have to make a conscious decision to lead with optimism, positivity, and belief. It's not easy. Um, but we look at a great example is um, the formula that John has. He calls it E plus P equals O. Okay. So we often think that the E events in our lives equals the O, which is outcome. But we have something in the middle that we miss, which is the P, and that's perspective. Let's use an example with players because we deal with injuries. As high-level athletes, we are going to have injuries. And so when we have those injuries, we oftentimes as players think injury event equals outcome. I'm out of the team. I can't help. I can't contribute. We as coaches and mentors need to lead with optimism, positivity, and belief and shape that perspective for them so that they realize, well, what are some of the things that I can continue to grow and develop, even though I'm not able to participate on the field? So can I do good, you know, uh, scouting reports? You know, what are things that I'm seeing from the bench? Because when we remove ourselves from the competition, things start to open up, right? So can we be better in studying film? If we have a you know leg injury, can we get in the weight room and work on our upper body? Things that so that perspective allows us to have and shape the outcome, even though it may not be the event that we would want to have. Confront, transform, remove negativity. Well, Dean, have you noticed any negativity in the world of sports these days? <laughs> right, it it runs rampant, and and what happens a lot of times is coaches, parents, mentors, whatever, we tend to kind of just kind of sweep it under the rug. We we tend to not. Um, you know, want to deal with it or confront it. And a lot of times it's because we don't know how. We don't have a good game plan and how to go in and do that. So what we want to do is give them those skills to be willing to, as we like to call, uh, you know, get curious with those energy vampires, whether they're dealing with an injury or they're not happy with playing time, whatever it might be. So the two big sources of negativity that we see are complaining Right. And people tend to complain because of one or two reasons. They either feel powerless. They don't control positions. They don't control playing time. So they're just going to complain about it or they feel helpless um, or it's a habit. Right. It's that helpless habit. They just complain because that's what they do. Um, the other one that we tend to see is dealing with energy vampires. These are the people that no matter what's going on. So we want to give our coaches, the people that we work with real skills to help them get in the weeds and feel confident with being able to confront, transform, and remove that negativity. Because being a positive leader isn't good enough in and of itself. You have to be willing to confront that negativity in a positive way to keep our team and our players moving forward. Create great relationships and teams. Yeah, this drives back to it's all about relationships. And we see this in the world today with, you know, the student athlete, the athlete that we coach today is different than the way that you and I were coached, right? It just, it's changed. And players, we like to say, and I love the saying that players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we have to build those relationships. It's, it's apparent that we get in there and find out what makes them tick and find out what's going on. And this is where we want to involve the parents and the other people, because if you've opened those lines of communication, and maybe you have a player that is suffering, you know, maybe a loss of a grandparent or parents are going through a divorce or lost a job, whatever the case may be. If you haven't built those relationships, you're not going to see that. You're not going to get that information. And that has a huge impact on being able to coach the player. When we talk about relationships, I love this saying that I treat all of my players the same, but all of my people differently. So we're able to build relationships and 
I got a you know great example. One of the teams that I've worked with coaches, you know, Luke Ward, who is um, I've worked with him for the last seven years. He's now the women's volleyball coach at Oral Roberts. Right? He has you know 18 players on his team. He has a different handshake with every single player on his team. And it's crazy to watch as he's doing the warm-up line and he has to stand there and one by one, they come do and do the handshake and he's doing pirouettes and he's clapping, he's dabbing, he's doing all these things. But that's about building the relationship because people who are built in relationships, they're more committed, they're more connected, and they know that you care about them. I feel like that's also about the next one, pursue excellence with love and accountability. Yeah, this is where I think we have to do more work here. The, the coaches, I think a lot of times get this wrong. And it's a lot of times because of the way they've been coached. I was always coached with tough love, right? It was, I'm going to tough love. Um, that does not work with today's athletes. It doesn't. Um, you have to love them first. And as I like to say, you have to earn the right to be tough on them. Now, don't get me wrong. You can be tough on them. You can absolutely have high standards, high expectations. But you have to love them first. And the cool thing is when you do love them first, when you see them as a person first over the player, then you get to say this sentence to them. And it's only because you've loved them first that you get to say this. And that is, because I love you, I won't accept anything less than your best. Because I love you, that's not good enough. And now, instead of you know, getting on them and being tough on them, now we're loving them. We're coaching them up to a higher standard. You know, Monty Williams, the coach of the Phoenix Suns, if, if you watch him, he's really tough on his players. I mean, he is not afraid to get right in his player's face. But what, what he says, and I love this, he says, you know, when I'm getting on you, when I'm coaching you hard like that, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. Great relationships allow us the ability to call our players to a higher standard, to a higher calling. And when we coach that way, the sky's the limit on what those players will do for you as a coach and do for your team. Monty's going to need a lot of that because he's with the Detroit Pistons now. So we'll see what he can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well. You've got two more lead with purpose. Um, I love John's quote here. He says that we don't get burned out on what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. And we think about COVID, for example, when we came through COVID, everyone is busy. Everyone has a ton of stuff on their plates. And we're, and as you know, at the college level, especially, we're throwing more and more things on these coaches. We've got NIL, we've got, you know, transfer portals, we've got all these things that we're trying to, to put on top of them. Um, and it's a lot. And a lot of times the coaches get so focused on the what they have to do or the how the heck are they going to get it all done. And that's not where we want them focused. We want them to connect it to their why, the purpose of why they coach because that's gonna get them through the what and the how. And it's really important that you clearly define your purpose and your why. And then as coaches, you need to share that purpose and the why with the people around you, your loved ones. Because when you look at coaching, right? And I know this because I spent so much time coaching, I spent 10 years coaching you know, competitive soccer in the San Diego area, right? In order to do what you do as a coach, most of your time is in the evenings and it's on the weekends which means you're taking time away from the people who matter most in your life in order to go do what you do. So you better have a big purpose, a big why behind you do that. And you share it with others. You know, Dean, for me, I'm all over the country. You mentioned some of the schools that I'm working with. I'm getting ready to start here next week on probably about an eight-week period of time where I'm gone several days a week, traveling to different states all over the place. But it's because my wife fully understands the purpose of what I do and why I do what I do. 
And so she can get behind and support me in that because she sees the difference that we're making. So have that purpose clearly defined it and make sure you share it with others, your family, share it with your team as well. Not surprising that the John Gordon Company's positive leadership model starts with drive positive culture and ends with positive impact. What do you have to say about that all important positive impact? You know, when we look at our model, it's actually seven lessons. So it starts with culture. It technically ends with the purpose that we just talked about. It's the driving positive impact that kind of overarches everything. Each one of those lessons that we talk about is about driving the impact, driving a positive impact through each of those things that we just talked about. You've got the floor to talk to our membership about what you're doing and how you're affecting teams, how you're affecting athletes, coaches, and everybody you touch. What's your message to them and how do they get in touch with you? First and foremost, we typically start with the coaches because even though we do a lot of great stuff with student athletes and with teams, if the coaches aren't on board, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, so typically when we're coming in, we're starting with coaching staff or starting with the athletic department, coaches, staff, trainers, and then we're kind of either doing one of two things. We're doing that same power of positive leadership workshop at the college level with their SAC groups, the student athlete leadership captains, you know, emerging leaders, because they have so much of an impact on the culture and, and the program. Um, but the power of a positive team is a separate workshop. That's where we're actually getting in, working with teams. We do them both in person and virtually where we're giving them skills. It's a lot of the same lessons that we just talked about. We just, the, the breakout activities are a little different. We want to give them some real skills to help them stay positive throughout the challenges that they go through. Um, give this, the players the ability and confidence to confront and transform the negativity to, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things, what a couple of things from power of positive team that we use that are amazing. Um, it's this idea of hard conversations, difficult conversations, right? And we believe that difficult conversations don't have to be difficult. And when we look at the world of sports, we tend to avoid those hard conversations, right? I mean, think about it for you personally in your life. If you have a hard conversation, how light, you know, so what we want to do is we want to change the language around that. You know, let's call them a growth conversation or a significant conversation, meaningful, impactful, whatever we want to do. We're more likely to have that because we need to have that conversation for a reason. So some of those skills are really helping teams create that connection that will propel them forward to have that success that they're looking for both on and off the field. And it's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate and my purpose about what I do for me the window of sports is really the opportunity I get to come in and work with these young you know athletes at you know the competitive level high school college level and yeah I want to help them be successful on the field of play but I also want to have these skills help them transfer to all areas of their lives because these are things they're going to deal with forever. So if you're interested, you can certainly reach out. We'd love to talk to you about some of these workshops, whether in person or virtually. We've got people uh, kind of spread out across the country that can do some of these as well. Best way to uh, reach out is uh, email us at athletics at johngordon.com. It's athletics at J-O-N-G-O-R-D-O-N.com. You can also reach me personally at chad at johngordon.com. I'd love to talk to you and hear more about what you're doing and, and give you some of the resources. Both of these uh, workshops that we're talking about, Power of Positive Leadership and Power of Positive Team, started out as best-selling books from John. So if you do nothing else, then go get these two books and read them. Um, they are really the foundation for the workshops that we're doing. 
I want to end with a quick soundbite on the fact that you mentioned that your wife is always there with you. That is like literally true because you made a very big change in your lifestyle that I think is worth ending with. Can you tell that story quick, Chad? Yeah. So about a year, uh, a little over a year and a half ago, John Gordon always talks about having a one word, right? Instead of setting goals or, you know, um, having a word for the year. And so a few years ago, this was going into 2022, I think it was, um, my one word for the year was courage. And the reason I chose the word courage is because I was making the decision to step away from a corporate job to do this full time. And I knew walking away from that income, having to go to this path was going to take some courage. And then shortly after making that decision, living in Southern California, we found out that our landlord who was, um, that we were renting from wanted to sell the house. And so we had to move right in, you know, in the midst of this huge decision we were making. And so, you know, long story short, the market in San Diego, Southern California is crazy. And, you know, fortunately our kids are a little older. And I said, I don't know that I want to play this game anymore. So you, you, you talk about courage. Um, we literally sold everything. We bought a motorhome, and now we cruise the country living in our motorhome. And we left um, May 15th of last year. So we've been on the road a little over a year now. Um, my one word for 2023 is journey. Um, and so since May 15th of last year, uh, I've been in 32 different states. I've been all over the country. Uh, we've been to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. We just spent you know, a couple of weeks in, in Maine and New Hampshire, we spent the winter in Florida. Um, and it's just, it's been an amazing journey. And I'm so fortunate I get to, you know, work with schools that are along the way, um, or I, I just fly into different areas to work with them. But uh, it's an amazing journey. Um, it's been really cool to see parts of the country and, and just be able to experience the beauty that the world has to offer, but it takes courage. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's crazy how things work out for sure. I love that story, and I love your story, and I think people listening will want to reach out as well. Chad Busick, thanks so much for taking time to be on this week's edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dean, I appreciate you having me on. Really enjoyed the conversation. I love what you're doing, how you're you know, helping lead others and bring stuff like this to the United Soccer Coaches and people out there that may not know how to get this information. So I'd love to talk to anybody that's interested and see if we can help you out. Thanks again. Thank you, Chad. And speaking of thanks, I want to thank Sarah Wilbur, who heads up the 30 Under 30 program at United Soccer Coaches. Because of her, it has been seamless interviewing the 30 Under 30 members. It's hard to believe that we are down to two. This week and next week, we'll meet another member of our 30 Under 30 class after these messages. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players, but how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to another fantastic edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. So great to spend time with Molly Grisham. Incredible to hear the message from Dr. Nelson Aquari, who's now at Boeing after playing in a couple Youth World Cups for the USA with Landon Donovan and Demarcus Beasley. Great to hear the inspirational message as well from Chad Busick. And now we meet another great member 
of our 30 Under 30 class. Today we meet Emily Taminovich, who is an ECNL staff member with the Beach Football Club. She's already got her U.S. Soccer B license in the process to obtain her UEFA B and is an international coach with Puerto Rico's U15 national team, among other great things. Emily, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. And obviously, speaking of being delighted, I'm sure you were thrilled when you learned that you were part of this esteemed 30 under 30 class. I was. Yeah, actually, I still kind of remember like getting the email. I, uh, so yeah, I do remember it. It was it was pretty cool. I like hearing the story. Did you apply multiple times or were you successful on the first time? How many times did you go for it? I did. I think it was like my second or third time. I definitely applied before. This was actually my last year to apply. So it was kind of nice to get it on the last one. So far, Emily, what's been the best part of being in this class? For me, it's been just the opportunity to meet and like learn from from different people. Like whenever I've done courses, that's always been the probably the most fun thing for me. And this has probably been the same, just being exposed to to different people that I might not have met outside of this opportunity, just because a lot of us are coaching in like different realms and things like that. So that's been really, really fun. All right, let's not be shy. Let's hear the Emily Taminovich story. Tell me where you grew up. Tell me about your family, where you went to high school, where you played in college, if you did play in college and when you got the coaching bug. That's a lot, Emily, but I can I got confidence in you. I think you can handle it. Okay, awesome. I live in California now, but I'm originally from Maryland. Grew up in Maryland, did all my schooling like in Maryland and on the East Coast. I stopped playing when I was around 18 just because throughout high school, my last two years, I had a couple back injuries to the L4 and L5 area. So my body kind of gave up, I guess, before I was ready. And I took a little bit of time off, tried to play again when I was like 22, like did some WPSL stuff and like same sort of thing. Started coaching after that. Uh, I think it was around the same time I was just playing pickup. One of the guys on on my team coached at a local club in uh, Columbia, Maryland. He was kind of doing what a lot of coaches do. He had like a couple club teams. He was the head coach at a local community college. So just needed some help with, with managing things on the club side. So that was kind of my introduction into coaching. So I started helping out with SAC, Soccer Association of Columbia. At the time, I think they were U16, um, but it was a 98 girls team. That was kind of when I saw that I could do it as a career. So stayed with them for two years until they had kind of aged out. And at that point, I at least kind of started getting some licenses, learning what I needed to do to kind of make it a career and, and be serious about it through, you know, showcases with that team and talking to college coaches and learning more about their pathways. Yeah, a lot of coaches, at least in the college game, were, you know, starting to get master's degrees. So I looked into just master's in coaching, if that was even a thing. Cal State Long Beach had an in-person master's degree because I think a lot of them are or online. And I'm very much in like a learn by doing in person type of person. So once the the club team aged out, I moved to Southern California to get my master's and have kind of been here ever since. All right. Great story. I do like to drop names though. Who was that coach that picked you out and got you started? What was his name? His name was Patrick Corbett. Okay. Patrick Corbett. And the only part you missed of my big long-winded question was tell me about your family, mom and dad, brothers and sisters oh, and okay. second names as well. My family still lives in Maryland. Uh, my mom and my dad both do. Now that my parents played soccer, my dad was a big lacrosse player. So I think he was probably pretty bummed that I did not go that route. My mom's from Canada, so I do have dual citizenship. And my sister lives in New York City. She played soccer until she was probably like 13. Went more of the artistic route. All right. And their names, mom, dad, and sister. Dad is Joey. Mom is Fran. And sister is Allie. All right. Awesome. We're yeah. spending time with 30 under 30 member Emily 
Taminovich. She is the second to last one to go. Next week will be the final member that uh, we've interviewed all 30, which is pretty awesome. And one of the things that I've enjoyed is a lot of you got together at Philadelphia in the convention. I'm assuming you were there and you kind of form a bond, right? With the 30 under 30 group. Yeah, absolutely. That was a ton of fun for me. Again, just spending time with, with different people, learning about, you know, their backgrounds both in and out of soccer and kind of where they came from and and why they do what they do. So that was a ton of fun. So tell me about this international coach with Puerto Rico's U15 national team. How do you make that happen? It's a bit easier than you might think just because it's not a full-time position. So it's kind of based on which age group is in like a, I guess, a competition cycle. May into June was like the under 20 World Cup qualifying cycle. So uh, at least with CONCACAF and uh, Puerto Rico does compete in CONCACAF. This year has been primarily with the under 20s. Last year was under 17s. The under 15s don't have a World Cup. They just do uh, like a developmental type tournament every two years. So they also had one last August. So it just really depends on, I guess, which team as far as youth teams go is in like a, a tournament type cycle. All right. Well, as we're airing this, the Women's World Cup is getting started. Please tell me you're all in on the Women's World Cup. And what do you think? Can the USA make history and become the first team, men or women, to win three in a row? I am. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm really interested to 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 kind of see how it goes. I'm excited to see how the group stages go, but I think there are definitely plenty of pieces to make that happen. But I also think it's probably really hard to to win two World Cups in a, in a row, let alone three. If any team can do it, I think it is the U.S. Do you have a favorite player, either past or present, from the U.S. women's national team? We'll do present. So I coach at Beach Football Club, and Savannah DeMello is a Beach FC alumni. So I'm going to go with Savannah DeMello. Well, what a story she is. Isn't that an amazing story? I just called her game before she left racing. Louisville was in town. I've been the longtime voice of the North Carolina Courage, including the original Carolina Courage way back probably before you were born when the WSA was around. And I mean, what a story, right? And well done by Blotko, knowing that, you know, with Julie Ertz out and Rose Lavelle a little banged up. I mean, she's kind of the perfect player to give you a little bit of security blanket there, right? You know, for people who aren't as familiar with her game, I think she can do it both sides of the ball. Like, I think she's incredible in the press, which, you know, the U.S. loves to loves to incorporate. And then I, I also think she's really creative. So I think she can kind of do it on both sides of the ball. And, you know, given the opportunity, I think she's going to have a I think she's going to surprise people have a pretty good World Cup. So I'm excited to see it. Well, let's use you. What is she like? Who is Savannah DeMello? Because a lot of us don't know, right? Because she has never been capped until, you know, the Wales game. So who is she? Yeah, just in the, you know, the times that I've spent time with her, she's super humble, great person. Um, Her family's still really involved in in the club. Like her younger sister plays for one of our 06 teams. Middle sister graduated out of the club a couple years ago. So really good people all around. Like Savannah's great, really nice person, really humble, really hardworking. So, you know, she's definitely worked for, for what she has and has earned it. I love that you're working with Beach Football Club and have that tie-in. I just called the U19-18 Girls National Championship game where Savannah King was outstanding. I mean, incredible player that's headed to North Carolina and Faith George, who's headed to Southern Cal, were the stars of the team that won it. What are your thoughts on working in the ECNL? What a competitive game that final was. And I think at the top level, especially like in that age group, having worked with that that age in our club, I think the future of our sport is bright. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent coming out that 
that we'll probably see maybe from that team, you know, uh, in, a, in a World Cup in the future, not just within the U.S. Maribel Flores, who's also on that team, plays for Mexico, who is like incredibly talented. Yeah, she was good as well. In fact, I thought she scored the second goal, but actually Faith George got both of them. But Flores was right in that flurry. So fun to hang out with Emily Taminovich, who is part of the 30 under 30 class. If you've listened to any of my other interviews, I always ask the crystal ball question. Do you have any idea what you might want to be doing 10, 15 years from now, Emily? Definitely involved in in the game. I think as a coach as well, you know, I've tried doing other things. And even when my body gave up on me as a player, I didn't stay away from the game for long. It, it, it seems like the most, not easy, but like comfortable thing for me to be around in any sort of capacity. So definitely involved as a coach. I'm the assistant coach at Cal Poly Pomona. That kind of came about after 30 under 30. Would love to stay stay around in the college game and and continue to kind of be involved at the the youth international level. I really enjoy that. All right. Well, let's plug the staff at Cal Poly. Glad to hear that you're part of it. Who are you working with? Head coach is Jay Mason, and then the other assistant uh, is Daniel Richards. So it's uh, it's a great staff. I've really enjoyed it. They've uh, they've done a great job you know, in previous years. So I'm really, really looking forward to the fall. Finally, Emily Taminovich, we talked about the fact that the Women's World Cup started today. We know that the Men's World Cup is coming to North America in 2026. We know last week that Mr. Messi arrived to play in MLS. And we know after a few speed bumps that NWSL now seems to be chugging along and making sure that everything is good for their players, more teams are coming in with big time owners, big time celebrity people in soccer getting involved. So that's my way of saying, I think the future is so, so bright. I don't think people even realize what the 2026 World Cup will mean for so many people. I was a part of the 94 World Cup and it changed my life. It, I met my wife, it put me on this mission to Mars. And I feel like that's my way of saying we're in really good shape if we love soccer and wanna work in soccer, knowing that all that is happening. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's actually, that's a great point. I don't even think I've even necessarily thought about it that way. Like I always think about the game growing positively for people that want to play and like become players, continue to develop like talent wise, but I've never even thought of it, you know, for like roles and positions out, outside of being a player. So that's actually really interesting. And yeah, I, I agree. If if we're going to grow like talent wise and, and things like that. Yeah, there's going to be roles elsewhere. So I think that's important too, for, for people that want to be involved in the game and love it, but can't necessarily do it as a player. So I think that's awesome to just to get more people involved in the game. It's going to help us grow culturally as well, culturally within the sport, just like you see maybe in Europe and South America. Great answer. Really enjoyed spending time with Emily Taminovich, who's a member of our 30 under 30 class. And we'll say goodbye by asking you to dig deep and tell me some of your things you like to do outside of soccer. You can't do soccer all of the time. So when you're not doing soccer, Emily, what do you like to do? Oh, that's tough. Yeah, it seems like our lives kind of revolve around it. Well, I'm really into coffee. I was gifted an espresso machine, one of the, like the brevels. So I've gotten really into like making the perfect latte and like latte art and things like that. So I really like that. Being in California, I live by the beach, so I uh, don't get to go as much as I like, but uh, I do like the beach and just kind of being outdoors and enjoying the weather that uh, is kind of provided to us here. All right. Well, I lived in California for a while and I love coffee. So if I happen to be around your area, would I be able to get like an espresso from Emily Taminovich possibly? Is that, uh, is that possible? What do you think, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to let, let me know what you think. I need uh, some new taste testers, I guess. <laughs> well, you're definitely a great member of the 30 under 30 class. Emily Taminovich really enjoyed this. 
congrats on all your success. Love that. Uh, you know, I'm sad to hear that your playing career ended, but I'm glad that you saw the door open for coaching and got involved with United Soccer Coaches. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well done, Emily, and well done to all of the great guests on today's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Can't get it done without the great work of Bailey Conklin and Brandon Milburn and Sarah Wilbur and Lee Jarrell and Erica Dyer and Jeff Van Dusen and all the great people at United Soccer Coaches. They are fantastic. My producer is pretty cool, too. His name is Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.